A Guide to Thinking Humans. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Melanie Mitchell, author and Davis Professor of Complexity at the Santa Fe Institute. Welcome, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. What does a professor of complexity do? Ah, that's a good question. I, I'm just started this job, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure it out. But we try and understand and communicate complex systems in nature. And my particular interest is in intelligence, both in living systems and in societies and in machines. So that's, I'm trying to make sense of all of those notions of intelligence. And that's what I'm gonna be doing during my professorship here. <laughs> so your newest book, Artificial Intelligence, A Guide for Thinking Humans, published recently. So what motivated you to write it? Well, I describe in the book that I was invited to come to a meeting at Google about artificial intelligence. And I was just stunned at the meeting by how optimistic the people there were about where we are in AI in terms of how close we are to human level intelligence. And I thought, no, this cannot be right. Because I've been working in the field for decades, although you know we all work in our own little silos, right? So we don't know what's going on in different fields. But the people at Google were so sure that we were getting pretty close to artificial, to full sort of general artificial intelligence at the human level that because of the rise of this technology called deep learning. And so I decided I would go and try and figure out what was the state of AI in terms of how close we were to human intelligence. Since I was not in the field of deep learning, I had to learn a lot about it. Uh, and that really was the impetus for writing the book. Have you decided whether AI is gonna be a universally transformative uh, for, for good or will it deliver our worst nightmares? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, probably some of both. I think it's already doing some of both. You know, we've seen a lot of applications of AI for, for extremely good purposes. You know, it depends on your point of view, I guess, but um, we've seen, I use AI systems all the time. I'm sure you do too. Every time you drive your car and use a GPS device, you are using a sophisticated AI algorithm. Every time you use a speech recognition on your phone, you're using AI. You know, whenever you use like Google Translate or, or some kind of uh, face recognition type algorithm, it's all AI, it's all deep learning. And the, so it's really uh, getting quite embedded in our daily life. But of course, there's a lot of potential for misuse. We've seen a lot of disinformation, fake news, fake media, you know, fake videos and, and images coming out and that are uh, created by AI systems, seen a little, some surveillance and, you know, all kinds of possible misuses. So I would say, you know, it's like any technology, there's the good and the bad, and that's the same is going to happen in the future. And no one really knows, you know, where it's going to go from here. So we're all familiar with AI's success in narrow applications when backed by enormous data sets, right? So, but you write about the barrier of meaning. Yes. Explain that and why it might, what it might take actually to, to break through the barrier. 
Right. So I got that um, phrase from um, Giancarlo Rota, who was a philosopher and um, interested in intelligence. And he, back in the 80s, he wrote, I wonder when and if AI will ever crash the barrier of meaning. And what that means is, will AI actually understand the world in the way that we humans understand it? Will it be able to extract the kind of meaning that we have? Or will it remain kind of on that other side of the barrier of meaning where it's responsive to patterns and it's not really grasping the meaning of what we're talking about or what, you know, what's in a photo or what's in a video, which is where we are now. And so I think the biggest open question in AI is how do we get these systems to actually understand? Well, we don't even know what that means. What does it mean for a human to actually understand? We know very little about our own intelligence. So I think it's a very hard problem and it will involve not only breakthroughs in AI, but breakthroughs in cognitive science and neuroscience as well. What signals or trends, if you will, should, should inv inventors or innovators rather and enterprise leaders follow to suggest AI is even ready to take on bigger, less well-defined challenges? Ah, that's a very good question. Uh, well, uh, the, you know, one of the biggest areas of research now in AI that people are kind of getting excited about is this idea of common sense. How do we get com what we call common sense into AI systems? And common sense refers to all of the vast knowledge that we have about the way the world works. And AI systems, it's very hard to learn that knowledge, even from huge amounts of data. Uh, that, and it's now a grand challenge from DARPA, which funds a lot of AI here in the US, uh, to get a machine with the common sense of an 18-month-old baby. That's one of their grand challenges, which is kind of ironic because, you know, we have these machines that can beat the best Go and chess players, and we have machines that can do translations between hundreds of languages, and yet these machines can't do anything else except the very narrow task that they've been trained for. And the idea with this whole common sense initiative is how do we get more flexible, more robust systems by having them kind of emulate the development of babies and how babies learn? So I don't know if that's exactly answering your question, but it's one of the things that I think people should have their eye on is this whole uh, notion of common sense in AI. Dr. Melanie Mitchell, Davis Professor of Complexity at the Santa Fe Institute and author of Artificial Intelligence, A Guide for Thinking Humans. We're certainly going to be um, sharing your work with more people and hopefully people will check out your book. If somebody wants a copy of that, or maybe they just want to find out more about your new role, how can they do that? Uh, going to my website, melaniemitchell.me, that has links to my book and all of the essays and papers I've written and so on. So that's probably the best way. Thanks again, Melanie. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.